reading today comes from Luke 10, verses 1 to 9, which is on 1041 in the Bible. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Is that okay? Brilliant. Good morning, everyone. Um, we are beginning our series that Tim introduced last week. So the, the, kind of, the central verse is in Ephesians 4, you'll remember from last week, where Paul describes the, 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 what we call the five-fold ministry of the church. Um, and um, this first week is about apostleship. So um, even though Ephesians 4 isn't our reading, that's kind of where we've come from. So Ephesians 4.11 says this, it was he who gave some to be apostles, and that's the first of the five ministries that are mentioned in Ephesians. So this morning we're thinking about what does it mean to be an apostle? What does that mean? Um, so one of the key ideas I think that we're trying to explore in this series is that the church is intentionally made up of different people, all of whom have different natural strengths in their ministries. God weaves together a rich tapestry, each of us a thread of a different color and vibrancy. And I don't know how many of us this morning would claim to have the office of an apostle, although perhaps with a little consideration, we might all discover that we have been apostles at one time or another in our lives. And some may find that actually their dominant mode is one of apostleship. And I thought at the beginning of this talk, it might be worth clearing up a few things about this idea of apostles, because it can be a little bit confusing. So I'm going to do my best this morning to clear that up. Um, it might be helpful to think about the idea of an apostle with a capital A and an apostle with a lowercase a. Um, now, the word apostle just means one who is sent. That's what it means. Somebody who has been sent by God, a messenger or a groundbreaker for God. And those of you who know your Bibles really well will know that in, in Hebrews chapter 3, Jesus is actually described as the apostle. That word is used of Jesus. Um, Paul describes him as the apostle and high priest who was faithful to the one who appointed him. So the point here is that Jesus is the apostle. He is the one who was sent by God to redeem mankind. 
And actually, if you think about it, Jesus is the author and example of all of the five ministries that are mentioned in Ephesians. He is the archetype after which all of the ministries of the church should be modeled. So Jesus is the apostle. So if we're thinking about hierarchies of apostle, we have Jesus right at the top with a big capital A, like those ones you see in old manuscripts. That's Jesus. And then, of course, we have the apostles, the 12, whom Jesus personally appointed in the Gospels. So his 12 companions, and they were sent by Jesus, personally commissioned by him, to spread the good news and to establish the early church. And you'll read all about that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the terms of their commissioning. Um, And somewhere like Luke 9, which is the chapter before our chapter, there's a separate commissioning just of the 12, and they're sent out. And for some commentators, the key distinction here is that these apostles, the 12, they were personally appointed. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus and his ministry. They were there. They were there. And many of you, I'm sure, as well, will know that Paul later also claims that level of apostleship. Um, So um, you can read about that later, Um, but he he claims that because of his experience on the Damascus Road and because of his subsequent ministry and the way that he establishes the church, he claims the authority of an apostle with a capital A alongside the Twelve. And you can read more about that in 1 Corinthians 9 if you're interested. Um, So we have this idea of these apostles, the Twelve plus Paul, um, as capital A apostles. Now, I don't want to say a lot more about that. There's a whole separate study there about the nature of apostleship and office, which I don't really want to get into this morning. I want to think about what it might mean to be an apostle with the lowercase a, to have an apostolic ministry that is different, perhaps, but shares some similarities to those apostles in the Gospels. What does it mean to say that we have an apostolic ministry in the church today? Now, the best passage, I think, for us to consider this is the one that we've read this morning, Luke chapter 10. So in chapter 10 of Luke, Jesus appoints a larger group of apostles. So it would seem that they're distinct from the 12 because he commissions the 12 in chapter 9 and then he commissions the 70 or the 72 in chapter 10. So there's a distinction between them. And I think if you look at the two um, passages, they're similar, but it does seem to me that there is a kind of reduction of authority for the 70 or the 72. It's not quite the same as the 12, and yet they are still given a mission and authority to carry out Jesus' work. And I wonder whether actually chapter 10 of Luke might help us unpick a little bit. What does it mean to be an apostle or to have an apostolic ministry in the world today? And there are a few details I'd like us just to kind of focus on this morning when we think about this. First of all, let's notice in verse 1 that Jesus sends out these apostles to every town and place where he was about to go, every town and place. So it would seem to me that the primary function of an apostle is to break ground for Christ, to prepare the way of the Lord, to go ahead of him. These apostles are being sent out as advanced messengers to prepare the people for the coming of Jesus into their midst. They're groundbreakers, or we might call them pioneers, Their ministry is to boldly go where no one has gone before. Apostles are people who step into dark places and bring the light. They announce the light. That's what it means to be an apostle or to have an apostolic office. And I believe that this mission is no different for the church today. I believe we're still sent 
to every town and place. I think that's the point of the church. That's our central mission, is to go to every town and place in order to spread the good news about who Jesus Christ is. That is what we do. And I believe we can be sure that when we step into a place with an apostolic mission, that Jesus will follow behind us. I think that's the promise, that Jesus will follow behind us. It's not up to us to do the life-saving work. We don't have that kind of authority. But it is our role to announce the good news and to prepare the way. And then Jesus will follow behind, just like in the Gospel of Luke. I believe that's an image that still resonates today for the church. I think that's one of our central purposes, is to be apostolic. And he uses an image in this passage about the nature of the apostolic work, which might cause us a little bit of trepidation perhaps, but certainly uh, cause us to reflect. Let's look at some of the language that Jesus uses in chapter 10. First of all, he, he uses this, this metaphor of the harvest field. It's such a wonderful image. He says, apostles are like workers in the harvest field, that the work is plentiful, but the work is also challenging. The workers are few. There's lots of work to go around, but perhaps not enough laborers. You know, the apostolic ministry, I don't think we should be under any illusion, is hard work. It's hard. The challenge is not that there's a lack of mission field. The challenge is that the size of the harvest is not in proportion to the number of laborers. There's lots to do. There's lots to do. And I believe that those who are exercising apostolic ministry should expect it, therefore, to be tough at times. I think that's what we should expect. I think it comes with the territory. They should expect at times to feel isolated. They might expect sometimes to feel overwhelmed. They should expect at times to feel as though they're laboring, but perhaps not making as much progress. Perhaps the ground is particularly hard going. And yet we're told they will be commissioned and well-equipped to be the kind of people who will flourish in this scenario. We should not expect to follow the apostolic call of God in our lives and for things to come easily, I'm afraid. We should not expect that. Laboring in the harvest field before machinery was particularly challenging work. It wasn't easy. It required patience and endurance and strength. And that's all the more true when there's a shortage of laborers. And perhaps we could remember the words of Paul in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 6, when he describes this about his apostolic labors. He says, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. <laughs> it's not the best advert for the apostolic ministry, is it? I mean, we're talking here about one of the greatest apostles with the most powerful ministry, and that's how he describes the challenge. You know, if Paul had to endure such hardships to fulfill his apostolic ministry, then perhaps we should expect that sometimes things are going to be difficult for us too when we seek to break new ground for the Lord. I'm not really selling it to you this morning, am I? <laughs> it's hard. You know, and Jesus himself, he literally shattered the earth. He literally shattered the earth and tore the veil, but also experienced firsthand the consequences of the apostolic call, did he not, in his death on the cross. It is a high call, but it is a costly call to be apostolic in our ministry. We should expect that. And actually, Jesus explicitly addresses this 
in the suffering. I like to imagine, I've got a strange sense of humor, as you know. I like to imagine this scenario, and it's like, right, you guys, you're going to have got a special mission. I'm going to send you out. And it, yeah, 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 great, Jesus, we're on board. And he says, look, I'm sending you out as lambs among the wolves. <laughs> okay, <laughs> really? Um, it's not the most exciting commission. Um, uh, or perhaps it was, I don't know. But Jesus didn't pull any punches. He didn't say to them, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. He says, this is dangerous work, but I need you to do it anyway. He warns them that this mission is likely to come with great danger. It's going to come with vulnerability. Being a forerunner is dangerous. Being the first one to break new ground is hard, and it can be isolating. We have this ominous image of the lambs among wolves. You know, it's not an easy commission, is it? It is Jesus's expectation, and therefore it should also be ours, that apostles are sent out to break new ground for Christ, but they'll find it hard going. Sometimes it means being vulnerable, perhaps even dangerous. You know, living an apostolic ministry can involve personal risk. There is encouraging news in here, though, (laughs) is that Jesus knows that. And by sending their 70 out, have you noticed that he also empowers them? Do you see how pumped up they are in verses 17 and 18? They come hurrying back and they say, hey, this is amazing. Stuff's happening. You know, we've got this ministry, we've got this power, and they're elated because they're meeting head-on the demands of this commission, but the Spirit is empowering them to do it too. It's such a fantastic moment. You know, they return with joy, it said. I don't suppose that means that they had an easy time of it. I'm sure it was challenging. I'm sure they endured uh, abuse. I'm sure there were days when they were hungry and tired and they just wanted an easier gig, but they still returned elated elated because of what was God was doing through them. And it is my belief that that same spirit that empowers the 70 here is the same spirit that we have today. That's my belief. I also like the practicality of how Jesus commissions his 70 apostles. Have you noticed that he sends them out in pairs? I like that. They're called to work together. This isn't a kind of heroic solo effort. They're called to work together, moving in unity, supporting one another, protecting one another, keeping one another accountable for the way that they minister in this new ground. It was always Jesus' intention, I believe, for us to break new ground together as a community. We're in this together. It's not a solo effort. And actually, if you read in Acts, that pattern carries on. You know, Paul was sent with Barnabas. They're always sent in pairs to work together to break new ground. It seems completely sensible and realistic to me that we should seek to conduct our apostolic ministry together in partnership with one another. I think that just makes sense. And I think that's how Jesus wanted it to be. Now, I don't know whether this morning you... (laughs) It's kind of interesting intellectual exercise. I don't know whether you feel the relevance of this this morning. Like me, you might feel a little bit relieved reading those five ministry types that perhaps you're not kind of that one. You might kind of think, well, I, you know, I kind of think, well, I'm a teacher. You know, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't have to do that apostolic stuff. That sounds a bit dangerous to me. I, I clearly, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher by profession and, you know, I teach sometimes on a Sunday and, you know, I couldn't help but feel a little bit relieved, I think, when I first started reading this passage. Thank goodness I'm not an apostle. That sounds, that sounds tough. You know, the idea of even a weekend spent kind of breaking ground in a deprived area of, of bath, you know, might, might break you out in a cold sweat. 
Um, and I think that's okay, by the way. I think we should be honest about that. You know, some people are gifted apostles by nature. I don't know if you've ne- met people like this. My parents were like this, by the way. This is an aside, which I'm worried about because Fran warned me not to go over, but I'm going to tell it anyway. My, my parents um, had a season of apostleship in their lives. Um, so um, my eldest brother was a newborn baby, and they felt called to Ethiopia in the 70s, which was the height of the revolution, um, and they just went. Newborn baby, they just went. My dad was an airplane pilot, and he, he flew for MAF, would, f- would fly Bibles and supplies around Ethiopia, regularly shot at. Um, my parents, my mum was, was you know, held at machine gun point in her own home. Um, they just did it. They just did it. Um, and that's not to say that they then spent their entire lives exercising that apostolic ministry. They just did it for a season. They did it for about three and a half years, um, and then came back and... Um, The story goes on. Um, (laughs) um, You know, some people are gifted apostles. You've probably met some. They're the kinds of people who we talk about as kind of missionaries, the ones who go out into the mission field, um, serving in difficult places. And we've talked about the apostles working in Ukraine. They're being apostles, aren't they? Breaking ground in that place right now. And thank God for them. The kind of people who live to minister to the homeless or work in prisons or areas where the message of Jesus just feels incongruous to the way of life there. We can think of those people. Those people are apostolic. That's their primary gifting, and thank God for people like that. But I don't think that this message is just for people like that this morning. I don't think. I think it's for all of us. I think we're all called at different parts in our lives to be apostolic in our ministry. We're all called to be pioneers at some point. And I believe we should all be ready to hear that call. Ready to hear that call. There will be times for all of us, I believe, when we're invited by the Spirit to break new ground for God somewhere in our lives. To push into deeper, darker waters. Sometimes at personal risk to ourselves. And I hope, like the 70, that I'm ready to respond to that call. I pray that for myself. It might be worth reminding ourselves that some of the greatest apostles in the Bible were actually pretty reluctant initially. One of the best examples, and I can't help but make this connection, but the the 70 or 72 actually goes right back to Exodus, for those of you that love a study. If you you look at the story of Exodus and Moses, when Moses ascends the mountain, there's the 12 tribes of Israel, like the 12 apostles, but there's also 70 elders that go with him. So for those of you that like a kind of Old Testament, New Testament study, check out Exodus 24, because the whole point of the, this passage in Luke is that Jesus is establishing a new Exodus. That's an aside. I'm, I've got time to go into that this morning, but it's worth the study if you're interested. But the reason why I mention it is, of course, Moses, he was called, wasn't he? He was commissioned by God when he sees him in the burning bush, and he says, I haven't got the skills for this. I haven't got this. I mean, who, what greater apostle than Moses? I don't have the skills for this. I can't speak. And yet, he was commissioned anyway. And I believe there's a lesson there that we should all be prepared to be called to an apostolic ministry, even if instinctively we'd rather curl up at home with a good book. I think we all have the potential to be called. So how do we stay ready, I guess is the question. How do we prepare ourselves for the apostolic call in our lives? And I think there's some practical advice in this passage for us. Notice line four, when Jesus says that they should leave. Do not take a purse, he says, or bag or sandals. Can a spare pair of shoes? 
and do not greet anyone on the road. Interesting advice, isn't it? Um, you might think, well, I don't wear sandals, so that's not relevant to me. Um, I think it is. I believe that what he's saying there is that in order to be ready to respond, respond to the apostolic call in our lives, we have to make sure that we don't have a dependency or love for possessions, stuff, comforts, okay? Because I believe a love of possessions and comforts or, you know, my house or my car or any of those things or my job, a love for those things, they're not inherently bad, but a love for those things could actually get in the way of an apostolic call in our lives. I think that's a challenge for all of us, I think, in the relatively comfortable West. A love for those things could block the apostolic moments in our lives. He says the same to the rich young ruler, you'll remember, in the Gospels, when he says that actually it's his wealth who's the, it's the biggest barrier between him and God. It's his wealth, the things that he has. And notice also he says, don't even greet people on the road. Slightly odd piece of advice. He's not saying we should go out and be rude. <laughs> He's not saying that, I don't think. But the point is that there's an urgency to the message. There's an urgency to the message. And when I was reflecting on this, I was thinking, do you know what? This is a life-saving message. We don't have time to stop and be polite about things. We don't have time. You know, I wonder whether for us, in our kind of English politeness kind of way, in a way where we desire not to cause offense, that sometimes that can block an apostolic mission in our lives. I believe that we have to be ready to speak despite perhaps what social conventions might expect from us. We have to be ready to speak and not be too polite about this life-saving message. So even if we don't consider this morning our primary ministry to be apostolic, I believe that we're being challenged by this passage, and I found this really challenging this week. I believe we're all being challenged to be a people who are at least prepared and able to leave our purses and bags behind. I think that's one of the challenges for us this morning. Perhaps forego a fear of offending others in order to break new ground for God. I believe that's an apostolic call for all of us. Now, I don't know this morning your circumstances. I don't know whether God has been making an apostolic call on your life, prompting you to break new ground, sending you somewhere perhaps to prepare the way for him. But what I do know is that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There is so much need in our local communities, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families, in our friendships, our local institutions. It's everywhere. The harvest is plentiful. You know, we live our lives in a harvest field, and we are the workers. We are the workers. And I wonder this morning if we might be bold enough to pray, send me out, send me out into your field, Lord. Send me out. I want to be a worker. I want to be apostolic. Even if that means that it might feel like I'm a lamb among wolves, even if that means that I might need to lay down my purses and my bags or my comfortable niceties, send me out, perhaps could be a bold prayer this morning. Thankfully, the message is simple and it is good. The message he gives them, he says, you are to tell the people that the kingdom of God is near. 
That's the message. The kingdom of God is near. And it's here amongst us right now, breaking into this world through us. That's the good news. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the message. In that sense, it's simple work. (laughs) It's simple work. Jesus is the message. He is the apostle. He is the one sent by God into the world to prepare the harvest. That's not for us to do. He is the lamb sent out among the wolves who came to take away the sins of the world and to whom be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is our message. That's what it means to be an apostle, to just deliver that good news and prepare the way for Jesus to do the rest. And I believe that's a call on all of our lives this morning, regardless of gifting, circumstance. I believe we're all called to be apostolic in our ministries. And I wish this morning I could tell you that it was easy. I don't believe it is. And I don't know whether recently you found yourself a little bit isolated in your faith and you found yourself just trying really hard to break ground and the earth just won't give way. I think if you feel that way this morning, can I suggest to you that you've been apostolic? It's a good indication that you're breaking new ground for God. And praise the Lord for you if that's true. And perhaps this morning there's a challenge also for those of us who perhaps haven't broken new ground for a while, been a little bit comfortable. Maybe we just need to ask the Lord this morning to say, prepare us, prepare us to set these things aside and follow that call to step out into the field and to work. We're going to pray and we're going to sing in response. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you partner with us in your work. We thank you that you send us out in the power of your spirit to break new ground. We thank you that you empower us and you protect us by your spirit. We ask this morning for you to call us, reveal to us, if there is new ground that you would like broken, send us out, Lord, in the power of your Spirit. Amen.